Hey everyone, it's Jonathan and welcome back to the Disney Movie Marathon. This week, Nikki and Katie are back and we're following up our review on the original 1993 film Hocus Pocus with the sequel that just came out a few weeks ago, Hocus Pocus 2. Now before we get into this review, I have something I want to show you. So if you're on YouTube, great. But if you're just on audio, I'll have a link in the description of my Instagram. But like usually happens when we record podcasts, we keep talking after we're done recording, sometimes for a while. And between this week and last week, I really wish I'd kept recording because somehow we came up with the best Halloween costume idea and I kind of actually went and did it. In the last episode, Nikki said that she hoped that one of the Sanderson sisters was going to write a Roomba in the new movie. And then after we finished recording, we kept talking about what new things the sequel could do. And jumping off of Nikki's idea, I predicted, not even seriously, purely a joke, that one of them would bride a Swiffer wet jet. <laughs> and then somehow in all of our random conversation, we came up with the idea for an off-brand witch costume, complete with an off-brand Swiffer. And I actually do have an off-brand Swiffer that I bought at Aldi. I think you can probably guess where this is going. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, feel free to follow the link in the description for all the pictures. But suffice it to say, I had a little bit too much fun over the weekend. Though I will say, the results are giving me more eccentric wizard vibes than off-brand witch vibes, so I might keep the general idea of this costume and refine the details for future uses. Anyway, that's all way off topic but also perfectly on topic, because it all comes from discussions that we had about today's topic of today's episode, Hocus Pocus 2. So before we start, I just want to say, apparently we're psychic. <laughs> oh, I know, right? <laughs> I predicted a Swiffer wet jet, and you predicted a Roomba, and you got two Roombas, so you're double psychic. Hell yeah. <laughs> And then they like play a major plot role. It's like, what the hell's going on? I know. <laughs> that was I. I couldn't believe it when the when the rumors actually became important. It's like that's kind of genius. <laughs> well, and uh, when when we were, I think we were kind of talking about the same thing on the um in in um the DMs and such. But like when I saw that, I sent that GIF of Leo DiCaprio pointing at the screen from um. <laughs> Uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, and that's honestly how I felt. I was sitting there watching it, and all of a sudden it was like, <gasps> <laughs> and then the Swiffer wet, wet jet showed up, and I was like, <gasps> <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I think I just thought it was going to be just going to use the same ones from last time, but then I, when they pulled them out, I was like, well, I guess the other ones probably. I mean, it's been 29 years. Who knows what happened to the other ones? I mean, plus technology has advanced in terms of sweeping and mopping and, yeah. you know, vacuuming. Yeah. So it, it makes sense. And they ended up playing an important role. So Absolutely. <laughs> so I think we need to get sponsored by Roomba or um, Swiffer WetJet or somebody because, you know, I mean, we, we predicted that. And I think that's only fair. Yeah. <laughs> What are the odds, though? <laughs> I, I don't know. I couldn't believe it. Not just one of us, both of us. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so anyways, overall first impressions of this one compared to the first one, Katie? Um, It was kind of just a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I felt it 
may have gotten a little too sequel-y for me where it was like, remember this from the first movie? We're doing a scene <laughs> like that again. <laughs> I could see that. It definitely had some moments of that. But I overall enjoyed myself because it was just kind of more of mostly just the same as the first, but like, you know, mm-hmm. the characters weren't over obnoxious or anything. It didn't feel like, hey, remember this from your childhood kind of thing. <laughs> what about you, Nikki? Uh, so I'm I'm of two minds. Um, and bear with me because it requires just a little explanation. So I, lo- I went into this, like when I walked out of this one, it kind of felt the same way I walked out of Ghostbusters Afterlife. You know, you're talking a fair time between the original and this one. And not that, you know, not that there haven't been other Ghostbusters, but just comparing these two pieces. And there's other things, too, that I'll kind of go into as we move along. But they didn't have as many. It did have those moments where it's like, oh, you're watching you're watching Hocus Pocus, too. Remember this and remember that. I felt like they did a little bit better job with this than what they did in um, Ghostbusters Afterlife. But it was definitely a sequel. It was definitely... <laughs> matching the same property, matching a lot of the same beats. But I will say that I do think it did a pretty decent job and kind of subverted some expectations with where it went. Mm -hmm. So it was, I mean, it was a fun sequel. It wasn't anything, you know, you know, out of this world extraordinary. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, but I'm glad that I did. I think it it added some interesting lore. But I'm also going to say that had there not been a Hocus Pocus 2, you know, it... I don't know. It was fine. <laughs> it did what it was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I think I liked it a lot better than the first one. <laughs> really? But that probably partly because I didn't grow up with the first one. I'd never seen it until last week when we did the first one for the podcast. So understandable. It's they're both basically two new movies for me. So I ended up liking this one more, I think. There was more of the witches being confused by modern day stuff <laughs> that that's that's the big thing i like from the last one they did that more and better then there was a lot less really cringy adult humor in this one which i kind of figured <laughs> because the other one was from 93 and this is from 2022 i figured they would dial that way back and they did and i think that helped it seem better to me i guess mm-hmm. understandable but yeah, the the witches in modern day confused by everything. It's like <laughs> that was my favorite thing with the last one, and they they went all in on that one and on that in this one as well. So I I enjoyed that. Nice. Yeah, like slight tangent, but like if they made you remember like Disney Plus made a the world according to Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like if they made like the three witches reacting to different stuff in the world. I would watch that. Oh, I would too. That was hilarious. I got to say my favorite moment outside of like one, like one of the smaller moments, um, it was almost an offhanded comment, but like a car pulls up in the driveway at one point and Mary goes, ah, it's the sun. Oh no, wait, it's just a small bus. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When I, when I first started watching it, I didn't think that there was going to be that much new stuff that they could do because, I mean, they've already done the whole modern day confusion thing. But then I, as the more stuff that they were confused by, I was like, you know what? 29 years is quite a long 
time to be away from the modern day. There's plenty of new stuff for them to be confused by. And they really pulled out some strange things for them to be confused <laughs> by. Like, I, I saw a lot of people criticizing the Walgreens scene online. But, like, there was a lot of really hilarious stuff in that scene. <laughs> All the stuff that they were, like, eating. <laughs> I, I, will, I will say this. My problem wasn't, like, the stuff in the Walgreens. It just... It was another thing that happened with Ghostbusters Afterlife. There was a massive scene that happened in a Walmart. And it just felt like <laughs> such a giant product placement. Oh, no, it definitely did. I'm sure that Walgreens paid a pretty penny to be the oh, score that the witches Absolutely, visited. no doubt. Like, it could have been any, like, you know, Brand X drugstore. Yes. Everything that happened inside of it was great. Yes. But the fact that it was a Walgreens, it really took me out of it. It just kind of... That, that's how I thought I was going to feel, because it was like... Here's a big name that everybody recognizes. But then they started getting really ridiculous and I forgot about that it was specifically a Walgreens. Oh no, absolutely. <laughs> and and that's what made it that's that's kind of one of the redeeming things about that scene was they they said, Okay, we've got the big sponsor, but then they made it as off the wall and crazy as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's start at the beginning. That is an excellent place to start. That's where we usually start anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So this one also starts in the past, which I was not expecting. I didn't think that they were going to go all the way back to the 1600s, but this one is even further back than the first one, which this one is about their childhoods. And I thought that the three girls who played the young witches were great. Oh, they did an excellent job. Young Winifred was hilarious. (laughs) She really captured the face. Yes, she oh, did. Yeah. The attitude, the the body language, that she was so good. Oh yeah. You have her marching angrily through town, and I loved the little scene with the little old lady who says, "That's enough for me today." And turns around <laughs> and leaves. <laughs> I don't know who she was. She was just a minor cameo character, but. <laughs> That that cracked me up. That's enough for me today. <laughs> <laughs> and then she had the um Winifred had the 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 giant bonnet thing that like matched her hair perfectly. <laughs> Apparently this is on her birthday. She's turning 16 and her sisters have made her a plate of the 1600s equivalent of jello. <laughs> they, they they talk it up like it's this horrible thing which of course they're witches so they love ground pig hooves and goat's blood but like jello is made of basically animal bones so <laughs> it, it makes sense and they also have a present for her which is a pet spider which i don't know if that was a real spider or not it looked very fancy it was cg yeah it was magic <laughs> oh yeah but, i mean was it a real species i don't know let me let me look up on the trivia and see what it says it looked very i don't know spangly i, I kind of wondered if it was actually a real spider or not i did not get a spider warning zero out of ten stars <laughs> i forgot you don't like spiders you would have been the reverend in the next scene oh yeah yeah when he shouts there are eight legged the eight legs of sin i was like yes he gets it 
Oh, uh, the spiders that attack the Salem villagers in the open are golden silk orb weavers. Oh, oh okay. I, I have those at where I live. <laughs> Although I thought you were going to say you large. had some, and I'm like, I thought, <laughs> thought you hated spiders. Oh. You got some for a pet? <laughs> Well, oh, no. here's here's the good news. So although frighteningly large, their torsos are three inches long. These spiders are completely harmless to humans. They're not venomous and their bites can't break human skin. Yeah. But they're big and scary. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's all that matters. Yeah. <laughs> so apparently this entire town is insistent that she marries this kid and I don't really know why they want her to marry him so bad. Because she's 16. Yes. Is that the only she's reason? She's old. Well, they had to. everybody had to be married off. Young ladies, you know, oh, you must go and marry such and so because reasons. Okay. I guess that, I guess that sort of historically makes sense, but I thought there, I thought maybe I missed a more, a better reason than that. I think it's just that it's that that thing from that time. Yeah. But she refuses to marry him and the guy is relieved. (laughs) Uh, He calls her ugly, basically. And you also have a young Billy Butcherson in this scene. And the whole town is horrified to learn that they kissed in the graveyard, apparently. Also, kind of a fun thing later. And I don't know if you guys noticed. Um. His mouth is when his mouth is stitched shut. It's Bell's kiss. I oh. didn't look close enough to notice. <laughs> <laughs> I just happened to notice it offhand. I guess that makes sense. Weird little morbid Easter egg. Yes, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> he can't escape it. So Winifred is to be banished from Salem, and her sisters are going to be taken and raised by someone else. And she obviously doesn't want this to happen. There's a huge kerfuffle. (laughs) And the spider ends up on the reverend, who starts screaming like a little girl. (laughs) Understandable. Yes. (laughs) And in the chaos, the sisters flee into the Forbidden Wood, which is apparently where witches do spells. And they do a calming circle, which is probably one of those. Remember this from the first one? <laughs> scenes. <laughs> there was one other kind of fun thing. When the spider attacks uh, the Reverend Trask, um, he says, ah, it's the eight legs of sin. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. but Are spiders normally associated with sin? I don't think so. I think it was just like because he was scared of spiders it became his devil thing uh, okay i assume and i forgot to mention at the beginning but you have a scene like flying over the town and there's this crow and this crow comes back in this scene you hear like some faint singing of the um little children song from the first movie and then this crow turns into a witch who wants to eat them but apparently senses something in them, like they're different from other children. And she sees potential for them to become witches as well. Unless they already were. I'm not 100% sure if they already were or not. 
because they they made that gross jello thing i don't know if that was supposed to be a witch's <laughs> brew or what <laughs> well their father was an apothecary so i'm sure that the the oh, insinuation true. that you know they kind of grew up with that yeah because even when they first get the book they um i think it was sarah said that it was um like father's apothecary book yeah okay that makes sense but yeah this witch owns the book from the first movie the one with the living eyeball and she gives it to them so that they can learn how to do magic as well and there's a spell in there that's supposed to make them all powerful but this witch tells them that they shouldn't do that one and the book doesn't like it and they promise not to and then <laughs> she talks like she maybe had other witch friends and i'm not sure if they were supposed to be killed i think it's insinuated that maybe the villagers killed them but she talks like she misses her coven and basically says they need to stick together and she says there's a line about people not liking witches and i can't imagine why maybe it's because you eat people <laughs> which was my reaction too so i thought it was funny that they actually called that out and then the witch turns into leaves and you never see her again maybe well yeah i was gonna say kind of you never see the witch again true i i like the design on her but her makeup like i know they were going for like ethereal and kind of like timeless but she comes off as really modern like in the way that her stuff looks yeah i could see that it wasn't bad it just was one of those things where it's like ah okay cool mm -hmm. i did like her bird form though it looked like a crow but part red that was cool mm-hmm so then once the witch is gone they take the book and sneak back into town to get revenge on the townspeople and they set the reverend's house on fire <laughs> so then you go to modern day and you're introduced to the main characters of this movie there's three girls who used to be friends one of them isn't part of the group anymore and i'm not sure they talked about going to the woods and doing like a spell on their birthday but did that mean it was all three of their birthdays like, no it was just time? it was just the one they celebrated halloween but they also celebrated her birthday that way okay i thought maybe that they were all born on the same day or something but it never clarified that so i wasn't sure and these girls are named becca cassie and izzy and cassie is the one who is not really friends with the other two anymore. And they kind of talk and you get a sense of that something has happened in the past with them. And you get Cassie's boyfriend there as well. He doesn't like them or he seems not to like them. And he's throwing a party, which she didn't tell them about. And it, it seems like this kid thinks that they're witches, which I mean, they apparently did spells in the woods even if they didn't do any actual magic so i guess i can see why he might think that and becca decides to freak this guy out by reciting a list of vegan foods at him which he thinks is a magic spell this kid is not very bright because <laughs> there were some obvious words in her list of foods so you'd think he would have picked at least one of them out but the two of them get sent to the principal's office and 
they end up with like Saturday detention or something. And then later that day, Becca and Izzy run into Cassie's dad, who is the mayor of the town. And I think there's like a re-election campaign or something going on. He wants them to help hand out flyers. And he doesn't seem to know that they're not friends with Cassie anymore. At this point, they're still covering for her. He would not like that Cassie is having a party. So they kind of try and cover for her because he doesn't know that it's happening in his house while he's gone. And their dad is played by Tony Hale, who also played the Reverend in the past scene. And I thought he did great, too. And this modern-day character is like the opposite of his counterpart in the past. He's friendly and nice, whereas the Reverend was not. (laughs) I can still see this guy freaking out if a spider landed on him, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, He's got bigger problems than spiders. (laughs) <laughs> Poor guy. Did did you guys happen to notice that the uh, football team at the high school was the Fighting Puritans? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> I wonder what the Salem football team really is, or if that's real. Like, if that's what the town's football team really is called in real life. Hang on here. Let's say uh, the witches. That's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, if if the town. Like Salem is going to have a football team, you'd think they probably would go with witches. Yeah. But Puritans make sense for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> and their newspaper, I'm guessing their high school newspaper, is called The Witch's Brew. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good name for a newspaper. Very good. <laughs> After this, we're introduced to a character named Gilbert who runs the museum where the Sanderson sisters used to live. And he's telling a new group of kids the story, the original story. And then I think he's talking about what happened 29 years ago as well. And you have one mention here of the whole virgin thing, which I was glad that they didn't keep coming back to that like they did in the first one. But you had a little kid say, what's a virgin? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like that's a that's a more accurate representation than the other little girl just casually using it all the time like she obviously <laughs> knows what it is. <laughs> so the two girls are still going to do their birthday ritual even though Cassie is not with them. And Gilbert gives them a candle, but apparently this candle is another black flame candle like the one from the previous movie that brought the witches back. And when they light it, they hear a creepy voice singing in the woods. And then there's an earthquake and the ground starts splitting like the end of season four of Stranger Things. (laughs) (laughs) And the witches are back. They do a a big musical number. And I liked that the one of the girls called out called that. I was like, who are they performing for? (laughs) (laughs) I can't take my eyes off them. But that is actually paid off a few times later, uh, because every time they sing, you can't like you're you're drawn to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that was sort of established in the first one when they had that musical thing at the party that made the party go forever, well, at least forever until the witches were dead. So they get captured and the witches want to steal their souls, but they tell them that they're actually 40 (laughs) 
<laughs> and that they're also witches and they've they've just been stealing souls themselves and that's why they look so young <laughs> they're trying to call their book but the book is locked in the cabin museum like it has straps around it like Hannibal Lecter or something <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's what it was referencing, and I haven't even seen that movie. I've just seen clips from it, but it reminded me of those scenes that I've seen with the mask thing on him. I don't know if that's what they were going for or not, but that's where the book is. The girls are trying to get out of this somehow, and they tell the witches that they don't need to actually brew any potions anymore. They can just buy them at the store. (laughs) <laughs> they had a, an exchange here that I loved. No more luring children to their demise. Nope, they're already demised. <laughs> That's a great time hack. Thank you kindly. <laughs> but I delighted in the luring. Twas my only job. <laughs> Aww. Poor Sarah. So this is the Walgreens scene. I love that they were so mystified by the sliding doors. (laughs) Oh, Winnie, the gates, they parted for her. (laughs) (laughs) And then they go inside and start eating all the beauty products. (laughs) Like drinking the facial creams (laughs) and eating the face masks, thinking that they're baby skin. And the way that they're kind of like doing the tasting thing, like, oh, it's floral with some moody notes. Yes. Retinol. Oh, what a charming young boy's name. I love that they thought the things were delicious because, like, in the past, they ate that gross jello and thought that was amazing. So they obviously have warped taste buds. So skin cream probably tastes amazing. <laughs> and then (laughs) i also love this because you have these kids that come in all wearing costumes like them they want to take a picture with them (laughs) and the kids are using one of those beauty filters (laughs) so they see their picture (laughs) and they think that the beauty creams have worked (laughs) (laughs) I about died. (laughs) But that doesn't work for long because then they see themselves in this security mirror, one of those round things that helps you see around corners, and they're looking all warped and distorted. (laughs) So they're upset, and they ask a clerk, how many children's souls are in the potions? (laughs) And he says zero, of course. So then they're turning on the kids again. Yeah, that whole part was like it was a greatly written part. Like it was inspired yeah. and fun. Yeah. And yeah, something very different. Yes, the 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 filter on the phone. I was not expecting that. I was like, that is the perfect modern day thing to confuse them with. <laughs> <laughs> so the girls are now trying to escape from the witches, and their friend back at the museum, Gilbert, had earlier told them that salt protects from curses i think something like that black magic so they spread a bunch of bath salts around them (laughs) and that deflects winifred's force lightning so now that they know that this 
Walgreens doesn't actually have magic potions. They decide they have to get the book back. So <laughs> they need to fly home. <laughs> and Winifred finds a broom. <laughs> and this is where we find out that our predictions were uh, correct. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah rides a Swiffer wet jet and Mary rides two Roombas that she names <laughs> Broomies. <laughs> 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 so great oh it was amazing becca and izzy run back to the cottage and they find out that apparently gilbert did all this on purpose he was behind bringing them back he gave them the candle knowing that they would light it because he wanted the witches to come back i'm not really sure why he like he saw them 29 years ago and i don't know was enchanted by them i don't know he wanted he wanted them back for whatever reason and he tricked them into bringing them back i think he, he kind of said that they were misunderstood they were ahead of their time they were you yeah. know they just they they did what they had to do so you know that whole misunderstood you know mm -hmm. went to wherever for undue reasons though so. yeah i mean i didn't think he had great reasons but no, she just I don't let think them... he was thinking through very, very well. He just let them explain why they were eating the children. <laughs> <laughs> but while he's telling them all this, the witches burst in. They lock the girls in the dungeon. He tries to tell them that he's like their biggest fan or whatever. And the book had showed him how to bring them back with a new black flame candle. During all this, the girls had had those posters of Cassie's father, which are now scattered on the floor, and the, the witches think that the Reverend is also alive again, and Winifred correctly discerns that this is must be a descendant of the Reverend, not the Reverend himself, and they're horrified to learn that he's the mayor. <laughs> and you got another great line here. Mother said witches would rule Salem one day, and what have we done instead? die <laughs> <laughs> so now they decide that they're going to do this forbidden spell that they had promised not to do all those years ago and winifred says it was 300 years ago the promise has expired but the book still doesn't want them to do it but she forces it to open and they get the list of ingredients which includes one drop of thy enemy's blood which they're going to use the reverend's descendant because his blood is still in them apparently and the head of a lover which means that they've got to go bring back billy butcherson <laughs> poor guy <laughs> there's also a cat throughout this and i don't know if they were implying that it was supposed to be thackeray again but i don't think it is because gilbert says it's his cat named cobweb there was did you guys stay through the credits at all by chance yes Yes, I okay. did. Okay. Hard to say, even from that, but... Yeah. So the witches go after the mayor, and they put a spell on Gilbert so that he'll go after the other ingredients that they need, and he's the one who goes to dig up Billy Butcherson. But apparently Billy is already alive. He never went back to sleep, so he's just been lying there for 29 years. <laughs> the poor guy is probably bored out of his mind. <laughs> And he doesn't want to help, of course, but Gilbert tells him that they're actually going to kill Winifred for good this time, and he wants him to help. 
Billy tells him that he was never Winifred's lover. They shared one kiss and that was it. And now she's sullied his name for eternity. And Gilbert promises that if he helps him, he'll tell everyone the truth. So now he has Billy on his side for now. Back in the dungeon, the girls figure out how to do some kind of a spell with the salt to get out of the dungeon because the salt blocks black magic. It's They don't just use the salt. They, like, they do a chant, too. So they are insinuating that they actually have magic as well. There's, I think one of them, their hands is glowing in this scene also. So they get out, and the cat shows them where to find the book. And that's that's why I'm not sure if it's supposed to be Zachary or not. Like he he he's dead for good. Like he left this mortal coil. So I don't know what, what the deal with the cat is, but the cat knows enough to show them where to find the book. And the book doesn't want to go with them. It escapes and goes back to the shelf by itself. So they go off to Cassie's, and the witches go to the party. They find this costume contest for people dressing up like them and they mistake it for an altar of worship of themselves <laughs> <laughs> and they sort of get entered in this contest but then they end up losing it and they're furious so they decide to put a curse on this party as well and they sing one way or another and the party is all under their spell and they have them lead them to the mayor and they fly past a house where a couple is watching the original movie. That was a weird scene. <laughs> like, what? Why is someone watching the movie? How does that work? I don't know if I was supposed to think too deeply about that, but it was a scene from the movie because it was that scene with Gary and Penny Marshall. So I think that was supposed to be there since um, Penny and uh, Gary Marshall have both passed. It was supposed to be... Um... Uh, an homage to them okay there's also a scene earlier um down in the festival area by where the apple the caramel apple cart is where there's like a two people sitting on a bench and there's um like a lady with things in her hair and then a devil and that oh, was yeah. another thing for it mm. okay that makes sense it still doesn't make sense within the larger canon of this world but it makes <laughs> no. sense as for, for a scene in a movie i guess yeah for one, you're not supposed to think too deeply about. In the words of MST3K, repeat to yourself, it's just a movie. We should yes. really just relax. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so somewhere in here, the girls have told Cassie's dad about the party so that he'll get home and escape the witches. And they go after he has shut down the party and try and talk to her. At some point, the boyfriend is tricked into leading the witches to their house they get to the house before just before they do then they're all trying to hide from the witches and then you have <laughs> an amusing scene of them being terrified of a siri <laughs> there's a little woman trapped in a box <laughs> there's also a great moment there where winnie says uh spread out and sarah starts doing the splits and trying to get herself as as wide as possible <laughs> Uh, I I loved her scenes of just being dumb. <laughs> but you know, there's actually a lot of, between the three of them, there's actually a lot of like little moments if you have the captions on that are just so, they're, they're so like clever and witty uh -huh. for the moment. They have a lot of good back and forth. I didn't write everything down, but they had a lot of great lines. And while they're all there, the 
cursed mob has found the mayor and he mistakes them for a flash mob, <laughs> which makes <laughs> sense. I mean, if you saw a mob acting like that, you would assume that they were doing a choreographed dance and not under a curse. So <laughs> Becca lets herself be discovered and they're going to zap her, but she tricks them into believing that this bottle of water is all that's left in Salem of one of the ingredients that they need. Apparently, Aurelia berry juice. I'm not sure if that's real or not. I didn't look it up. But she says if they touch her, she's going to pour it out. And the other two girls jump out and pour salt in a circle around them and leave them locked in the garage because they can't even cross the salt themselves. They're protecting against like any zapping magic, but also just them themselves. They cannot touch it. So they're locked in the garage and the mayor comes home. And he almost lets them out, but Cassie interrupts and calls him dad, which gives them the clue that she also has the blood of their enemy. And they leave the witches in the garage foolishly. And then Mary's broomies come along (laughs) (laughs) and suck up the salt. And I thought that was just genius because at first you think the Roombas are just like a visual gag. Like, it's just a funny thing for her to fly around on, like, the vacuum in the other one. But to have them actually be an integral part of the plot, I thought that was kind of genius. I really liked (laughs) that they came back and freed them. And at some point in here, Billy Butcherson discovers that Gilbert is helping the witches. So he basically says he's not going to help him anymore. So Gilbert steals his head and runs. And the girls are making up when the witches escape They fly by and grab Cassie, and Becca, at this point, her hands start glowing again, and they realize that she must be a witch, too. And the witches meet Gilbert in the wood. She calls the book to them and, of course, turns on Gilbert and zaps him up into the sky. I'm not sure where he went after that, but he went flying. (laughs) So they start the spell to become all-powerful, and Becca appears and tries to zap them while Izzy frees Cassie. And I don't think they finished the spell, but they did enough of it that Sarah and Mary now have the same powers as Winifred has always had, so they have, like, force lightning as well. (laughs) They're three-way emperors. Yeah. And they act like they're going to start rebelling against Winifred, but she yells at them and they come back to do her bidding again immediately. (laughs) So Becca and Winifred have like a witch showdown. Becca says, you don't want to do the spell. You have a choice. And Winifred thinks she's talking to her, but Becca says she's talking to the book and the book has the living eye in it. And it's like looking at her meaningfully and she calls it and it comes to her. So the book now responds to her, not Winifred. Becca runs back to her friends while Winifred is screaming for her sisters. And the girls ask the book what to do. And it shows them the warning for the spell, which says that to do the spell, the user must give up that which they hold dear. But it also says that power is meant to be shared. So the girls hold hands and together they're able to temporarily hold back the witches. Becca taunts them and says that even with the sisters now as powerful as she is, she still can't beat them. 
And Winifred says something like, her sisters are leeches and she's the most powerful one. She doesn't even need the book. And at that point, I was thinking that they were going to have the sisters turn on Winifred and sort of like redeem the sisters, but that's not where they went. They all leave to do the spell without the book because they think they can remember it. They apparently can. They finish the spell. The candle goes out and they're still there. So apparently they will never die. And they start celebrating and shooting shooting lightning around, but they're interrupted by the girls. And Becca tells them that the spell warns them that it takes that which they value most. And Sarah and Mary start floating away and disappear. They turn into glitter. <laughs> yeah. Yes. There's a lot of glitter in this movie. So apparently Sarah and Mary were what Winifred valued most. And I was thinking, like, if that was true, then why does she keep calling them leeches and saying that she's the most powerful one and treating them like garbage? I mean, I have siblings and we kind of talk to each other like that, too. So (laughs) (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) She just takes it to an extreme, I guess. So now Winifred is extremely remorseful. She begs the book to undo the spell. They flip the book open to the spell for reuniting, and Winifred is begging her to help her, and she says she's willing to give up her powers to get her sisters back. So the girls do the spell, but it doesn't bring her sisters back. It sends Winifred to them, and as she's disappearing, she thanks them and says that they're lucky to have each other, and then she's gone. The wishes are gone forever, apparently. Or are they... (laughs) (laughs) Gilbert comes back from wherever he flew off to (laughs) and Billy gets put back together and then he starts glowing and says that the sisters final destruction undoes all of their spells so he now disappears as well and Gilbert apologizes for everything (laughs) because everything is his fault and he says he'll take the book back but Cassie says she's going to keep it And they all go home and start doing the witch walk (laughs) that the Sanderson sisters have (laughs) done previously. We didn't really talk about it, but they they all walk together in a specific way that's amusing. It is cute. But then you also have the crow from the beginning following them. So apparently that witch is still around. That doesn't go anywhere, though, because this is the end. She's just flying above them. Still eating children. Apparently. (laughs) Because how else is she surviving? Exactly. You know, addiction is a thing that you have to deal with, and you got to have the proper support system to be able to get over it. (laughs) Well, she apparently doesn't, so I guess any children go missing, look up in the sky for a crow with red wings. Exactly. And then, yes, there's a post-credit scene. Cobweb the cat. He's back in the cabin. He jumps up to a shelf in the museum, and there's a box with a Black Flame number 2 candle label on it. So, I don't know. Maybe they're going for a trilogy here. (laughs) At least looking at the trivia on IMDb, which you kind of do have to take with a bit of a grain of salt, at least as of the time that it was written, like the, the comment, there wasn't a plan for a third. Well, they've given themselves a window if they decide to make a plan for a third. Exactly. I mean, you know, Masters of the Universe with He-Man said that, you know, they were going to have a sequel and that never came to light. So, (laughs) R.I.P. Masters of the Universe. 
There's a lot of things like that, unfortunately. But I don't know that I want another sequel. I think I'm fine with the way this one ended. And if they bring them back, I don't think it'll be as funny because they, they basically turned good in the end, or at least Winifred did. And like half the enjoyment of this is how evil they are. Absolutely. Because <laughs> like if they come back, what are they going to do? Yeah. And they kind of covered like, not that there aren't other scenarios you could go with, but why would you need to? They really don't, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah, it would be funny to have them come back and react to modern day stuff, but <laughs> to make a whole movie of that, I don't know if there's, I don't know if the plot is there. So that's Hocus Pocus too. I think I liked it better than the first one. So <laughs> <laughs> I just, I really loved all the quips between the sisters. I thought they had some really good back and forth dialogue. I liked the musical scenes. We didn't really talk about them because it's. I mean, it's a musical scene. What are you going to talk about other than they did a song? But I thought that they did great with those. I liked the music itself, and then the choreography was fun as well. And then, of course, the stuff in the flashbacks with the young girls. I, that was great. I I kind of want a prequel with just them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were fantastic. Like you couldn't have ha- you couldn't have picked better people for that. No, they all had they nailed the mannerisms. They had it down pat. They did absolutely. There was um there was one other fun thing that um Trask said, and it was one of those like just kind of random lines, but it was so like perfect. Like it was kind of an inspiration, like one of those lines that just comes out of pure inspiration. Um, he said that the the one the one um one of the Sanderson sisters had great resting witch face. <laughs> <laughs> And it was like, oh, that's such a great, like, just, it's so great. It's like the, um, the beauty filter on the, on the camera. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we didn't really talk about the new characters much. I mean, they were there, but I mean, they were good. They were good modern day girls, but like, I don't know that I'd want a movie following them around. I don't think it would be that interesting. Well, and and like the original Hocus Pocus, even though they're kind of like they're kind of like us going through the process, the real story is the witches. You know, it's yeah. Sanderson sisters. Yeah, that's true. Because in the first one, like if they had made a sequel and used those kids, it probably would have been kind of boring too. Yeah. So if they do do another one, I nothing against these girls, but I kind of hope they don't come back. <laughs> like they're fine as characters, but like yeah. I think. They need to focus on the witches and have new characters discover them. If they're going to go that route, yeah, they, they totally need to do that. Um, one fun thing that I, I saw with the with the three girls, um, they all had the same necklace. And I don't know if it was ever brought up, but they all had the same like medallion-y necklace. They never mentioned it. I just thought it was kind of a cool little detail. Hmm. I suppose since they've been friends for so many years, it probably is something they got in the past together. Oh, absolutely. And it makes sense. I'm kind of glad they didn't make a thing out of it because they easily could have and it would be just another probe. It's kind of a nice background thing. Yeah, and maybe they did, but they didn't. They maybe cut it, which, you know, hopefully. Because it did have, I mean, you couldn't really tell much about it. But yeah, it was a neat little, there was a couple things like that that weren't really mentioned. But if you watched, they were there. If they had made this for the Disney Channel, they probably would have made a big deal out of the necklaces and focused a, a scene heavily on them and then sold them at the Disney store. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
I guess in some ways this also felt a little bit like a Disney Channel movie, but I don't know. It felt it felt a, like a higher grade of movie than Disney Channel. Like nothing against the Disney Channel movies. Some of them are quite entertaining in their own way, but they all have a similar feeling, which this has a little bit. But I think the fact that so many characters are so much older than teenagers, it kind of elevates the material. Yeah. I mean, plus he had a guy in, in a banana costume. I mean, you know, <laughs> know what that has to do with anything. I just found it funny. That also seems like something that would happen in a Disney Channel movie. <laughs> <laughs> and what was with the the secretary, like the office secretary? She had like the giant, like, I don't know, Mickey Mouse hands, but then she was like a ladybug. I think it was just because it was Halloween, because there was a few people just randomly in costume. Yeah, that's So I that's think it was probably too. just Halloween dress-up day at school or something. True. And the secretary got in on it, too. <laughs> Hard to file papers, but hey, you know, it's <laughs> not the only thing. Maybe she only put them on when she's talking to the kids. That is true, because you could have a very comedic conversation with <laughs> giant hands. <laughs> Detention for you. <laughs> you can try like eating a sandwich in a comedic way. You know what was the most non-Disney thing about this movie is that there weren't like a bunch of Disney characters that all the like background uh costumes were. Oh, you're right. That's true. Although I didn't like freeze frame and analyze the quote-unquote flash mob there could have been some hidden in there i did notice that the mom's madonna costume was in that flash mob yeah according to the trivia there were a couple of those there was um billy butcherton the madonna costume danny's witch costume the three sanderson sisters and the band featured in the i put a spell on you number okay but it really surprises me that there's not like Oh, look, over there, it's Woody. Oh, look, over there, it's Mickey Mouse. Oh, that look, is you true. Know. That is very true, because a lot of these would do that. I mean, they did it in the first one with the Mrs. Potts. Yeah, but, like, you'd think that nowadays Disney would have crammed it full of, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I appreciate that, that there wasn't, like, I'm the live-action Beauty and the Beast. Beast. Yes. <laughs> What was it? There was something recently where it seemed like it went to an egregious level of, oh, duh, Pinocchio, <laughs> the live action <laughs> Pinocchio, the scene with the clock. That was just so, so crammed full of Easter eggs that it wasn't even Easter eggs. It was just, here's a giant eggs. Easter basket. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I get to see that after one. Cameo after cameo after cameo after cameo. <laughs> cameo after cameo after cameo it was ridiculous one of them in the background would have been kind of fun but then it just took it way too far does anyone have any final thoughts on hocus pocus 2 i want to teach my roombas how to clean up messes include <laughs> and like air messes because i would like to fly with roombas <laughs> all of my broomies that would be great it would be cool I think I probably would fall off immediately, but it'd be great for like two seconds. <laughs> well, you can always like, you know, strat, you know, duct tape two of them together and sit on them. <laughs> yeah, that, that could work. Like you make yourself like a floating bed of Roombas. <laughs> that seems like something that they would do in Japan. Probably. <laughs> Roomba drones that you can fly on. <laughs> I like it. 
What about you, Katie? Any final thoughts? Um, when the boyfriend said, come see, we coated our friend's car in tinfoil, and then they asked why, and he said, because it's funny. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really, I would do that. <laughs> he had a real shaggy vibe going on. The, the boyfriend, he was kind of dumb in the same way that Sarah was dumb. And I enjoyed that. I thought he needed a little bit more screen time. Yeah, I was afraid he was going to be like the bullies in the first movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that wasn't the case. He actually well, you know, seemed like he was kind of nice. Like he, he genuinely had no idea that he was hurting people's <laughs> feelings. He seemed remorseful about it. Well, there's no way he could be a bully because he didn't have ice shaved into the back of his head. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that is a prerequisite. I mean, every bully I've ever seen had ice shaved into the back of their head. So, you know, that's maybe my experience, but, you know. Oh, and while you two may be psychic, I am not, for there was no skeletons in cages. Oh. Which was sad. <laughs> they, did, they did mention them, because, like, they get back to the to the cottage, and they're like, oh, do you remember what happened? And she's like, yeah, you had the book over there, and then we had the two guys in the cage, and so they, they, they got brought up, but they just weren't skeletons. So they were mentioned. I kind of half expected the camera to pan up and show two skeletons in the bird cages. <laughs> oh, that would have been awesome. I'm surprised they didn't keep them, you know, considering it's a magic shop. Isn't skeletons a prerequisite for that? Uh, that probably would be quite smelly. <laughs> I mean, you clean them up, they're good. <laughs> Toss Ship them, in them a off bathtub. to the field museum to put them in the dermestid beetle cages to clean them for display. <laughs> <laughs> and put in the prerequisite that they have ice you know like carved into the back of the skull of the one guy <laughs> and that was kind of his defining trait so <laughs> i guess my final thought is just that like i said before i liked this one better than the first one i really liked how quippy it was i liked the witch's banter i liked the cleverness with the the, the broomies <laughs> <laughs> The broomies were my favorite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, it was just really entertaining. It probably helps that I had no attachment to the first one, and that's probably why this one just seems like they went above and beyond what they needed to do. But I can see why if somebody had attachment to the first one, they probably would. Nostalgia would be a factor in which one they liked better. Uh, which? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I do think, like, cause I guess I don't, I mean, I have some nostalgia for the original. It's not like, it's not something I watched every single Halloween by any stretch. You know, I watched it, you know, several times, but it wasn't like a yearly deal. Um, I mean, it, I think if you have an appreciation for one of these, I, I for mo the most part, I'd say you'd probably have an appreciation for both because they do feel part of the same world. You've got a lot of, like, the characters aren't radically different. They mm -hmm. tell an interesting story. It's not, you know too much of a departure from what it is they logically follow it's mm -hmm. a lot of fun it it holds a lot of the spirit of the original and does other stuff with it yeah I, I i mean it's a solid sequel you know it's it's not bad by any stretch and i think if people are getting up in arms it's probably because like star wars like anything else it's not <laughs> the movie you grew up with and you don't have the nostalgia for it but there's no way that you can because you're not 10 years old while watching it mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> definitely yeah i think one thing that i was pleasantly surprised with, especially after the beginning scene, because I heard some people talking online about how the witches 
are back and they turn good, which I mean kind of at the end. And since I had read that, I was already pre-thinking in my head that that's where this was going. So you had the beginning scene with the quote-unquote tragic backstory. But they, they didn't really take it from that and then have them turn good. They were like genuinely evil throughout the whole movie. And I liked that. And I'm glad that they didn't do the whole redeemed villain thing. Like I've probably said this before. <laughs> I've always said that I love a good villain redemption story, but Disney has just kind of played that to death at this point. And I'm kind of getting tired of it. And I thought that that's where they were going to go with this movie. And even though at the end they did have Winifred reveal that she loved her sisters and she wanted to go back with them rather than get her powers back. So they sort of were redeemed, but for the whole movie, they were still evil. And I liked that. It's not like they were redeemed for everything though. Like she's not like, yeah. I'm sorry, I ate children. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> they, they, they could have, they could have gone in a much more, uh, in the old days of the internet, it would have been called a glurge where they made something really smarmy and sappy and goopy and they could have done that and they didn't they <laughs> I'm, I'm glad they didn't have her do a whole remorseful scene pledging to never eat children again <laughs> as she slowly like <laughs> dissolves into oblivion <laughs> i mean i if there's if there's anything i would say about the character you know because a lot of a lot of villains are one-dimensional mm-hmm. their main character trait is evil and that's it you know or maybe they're yeah. like Maybe they enjoy a you know a good burger, but that's kind of all there is to them. <laughs> you know, she shows some depth by you know by having that love for her sisters. You know, it's it's not just you know it's and, and regarded. Yeah, she had the whole like she got caught up in the power, and it was all like yeah, you know, leeches, parasites. Blah, I don't need them. It brought her back to the things that were important and the things that were with her when they started the journey. You know, it kind of was that slap in the face she needed to remember. Hey. Mm-hmm. I love my sisters and deep down that didn't change. Yeah. So that's, you know, there's, there's depth there and that's not bad. Yeah. And I'm glad that they did it in that way rather than have it feel fake and forced. Absolutely. Because the seeds for that were already there, even from the first one with them being so close as sisters. And then they just built on that with the flashback that made it feel more genuine at the end, as opposed to a 180. Well, I'm good now. Yeah. And they do everything together. Like they even yes. walk in goofy ways together. <laughs> yes, the witch walk. <laughs> yes. But at least you know that uh, Walgreen aisles are wide enough to accommodate three witches walking side by side. <laughs> <laughs> the most important lesson of the movie. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's the biggest thing I took from it. I wonder if people are going to start doing that now. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Just have people show up into a Walgreens on Halloween and start witch walking down the aisles. <laughs> Anyone watching this, your duty, if you should choose to accept it, is to get two of your friends, go to a Walgreens, and on Halloween, witch walk down every single aisle until you get thrown out. will this become a trend are we predicting another thing i think so matter get yourself a couple of roombas strap them to your feet and and glide around the the walgreens tiktok's probably starving for a new trend so (laughs) i could definitely see something like that turning into a tiktok trend well i think that's going to be all for this episode you guys want to let people know where they can find you if they want more from you, Nikki? 
I do reviews of random, obscure, and straight-up bad movies over on my channel on YouTube, which is Trivial Theater. Um, stop by, say hello. Um, throughout October, we're doing uh, kind of favorite Halloween movies from the past, and then after that, it's just kind of a random assortment of random things. So definitely stop by. They're always something new and interesting. Um, you can also see me on Twitter at Trivial Theater. Okay, and Katie? And you can find me on instagram and twitter at katie draws things and i am drawing again so well i i've always been drawing but i'm posting again (laughs) an important distinction yeah (laughs) i'm always drawing it just depends on whether or not it's like postable (laughs) it's all awesome regardless well it makes me laugh but then you're like, this shall never see the light of day. <laughs> you could start a secret Instagram just for that. Yeah. <laughs> Are you trying to tell us something, Jonathan? Well, technically, I have my own secret Instagram. It's not that secret because I put it on my Linktree <laughs> website. Gasp. I mean, I like accounts like that that just post nonsense. That's why I made it, just so I could post nonsense. <laughs> it would be funny to have an artist do something like that, post, to post their random, purposely bad drawings. Okay, well, I will have links to you guys' social media, and I'm sure you'll be back for another episode soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Disney Movie Marathon. If you like what you've heard, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast platform or to our YouTube channel. Make sure to follow my co-hosts as well. Any relevant links will be in the description for easy access. We'll be back soon with another brand new episode, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.